0: Our scripture reading this morning will be Psalm chapter 9, verses 11 through 20. And the Old the New Testament reading will be 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. The starting the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 9, 11 through 20. This is the, lo- the word of the Lord. Sing to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Proclaim his deeds among the nations. For the one who seeks... and. Accounting for bloodshed remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, Lord. Consider my affliction at the hands of those who hate me. Lift me up from the gates of death so that I may declare all your praises. I will rejoice in your salvation within the gates of daughter Zion. The nations have fallen into the pit they made, their foot is caught in the net they have concealed. The Lord has revealed himself, he has executed justice striking down the wicked by the work of their hands. The wicked will return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God, for the oppressed will not always be forgotten. The hope of the afflicted will not perish forever. Rise up, Lord. Do not let man prevail. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Put terror in them, Lord. Let the nations know they are only men. In our New Testament reading, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach different doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now, the goal of our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some had deviated from these and turned aside a fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they are saying or what they are insisting on. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the holy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for kidnappers, liars, treasurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, based on the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me. I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointed me to the ministry. One who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love there in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace, Lord, how you saved me. Though I was an arrogant blasphemer, as Paul says he was, I was the same way. But you saved me. You've forgiven me. You've cast out all my sins, past, present, and future, Lord, by the blood that was shed on your cross. Oh, Lord, we don't deserve such mercy and love, yet you've given it to us anyway you didn't have to die on the cross but you did it anyway and Lord the only thing we could say is thank you for without it we would be still lost in our sin we would still be on our way to a devil's hell Lord but you've had mercy on us and we are so grateful for that I pray Lord that you will continue to bless this service Lord and that you might fill this church with the Holy Spirit Lord that if there's anybody in this room who does not know what grace I'm talking about, that their eyes would be opened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that would receive you today, Lord, as Savior and Lord of their lives, that they might be saved from the sinner's hell and be led to your kingdom when the time comes. I pray, Lord, that you bless Jacob as he continues to sing this morning, fill him with the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray for Pastor Greg as he brings the message later, Lord, that you would fill him and hide him behind the cross, Lord, and help him to preach Christ and Christ crucified, and let him receive all the glory, Lord, for we know it's not about us, it's all about you. We just try to point towards you in every which way. Forgive us, Lord, when we fail you, Lord. It's in Christ Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.
1: I wanted to make sure that I dedicated a small part of my first Sunday as worship leader to my Papaw. As many of you know, uh, my Papaw passed away on Christmas Eve, and his walk of faith was a true inspiration in my life, and he he set a standard that I'm going to try to live up to. Uh, This song that he asked me to sing at his funeral uh, is a perfect reflection of who he was. He lived his life with the knowledge that there is no need to worry or be afraid of uh, of our time coming to an end in this world because we know that Jesus is waiting for us on the other side. When I come to the river at the ending of day, when the last winds of sorrow have blown, there'll be someone who's waiting To show me the way I won't have to cross Jordan alone I won't have to cross Jordan alone Jesus died all my sins to atone In the darkness I see He'll be waiting for me I won't have to cross Jordan alone Oftentimes I'm weary And troubled and sad When it seems that my friends Have all flown there is one thought that cheers me And makes my heart glad I won't have to cross Jordan alone I won't have to cross Jordan alone Jesus died all my sins to atone In the darkness I see. He'll be waiting for me I won't have to cross Jordan alone Though the billows of trouble And sorrow may sweep Christ the Savior will care for His own Till the end of my journey My soul He will keep I won't have to cross Jordan alone I won't have to cross Jordan alone Jesus died all my sins to atone In the darkness I see He'll be waiting for me I won't have to cross Jordan
2: alone. Thank you so much, Jacob. And Papa would have been very proud. We are so grateful to you as a church family. We're so thankful as a family for how the church is supported us i was thinking you know uh, i don was a part of my life for right at 40 years i guess and uh it's denise and i were just talking last night it's so different when you go to the house now and uh, it's not a not an easy thing it's all of you most all of you've been through this you understand and and you know Uh, we're just so thankful for his love of the lord Like Jacob said, we want to try to uphold the legacy and build on what he showed and taught us. And now, Father, as we come to open up the Scriptures, we ask that you would move powerfully. Father, we need the Holy Spirit, as has been prayed for. We need the Holy Spirit to do his work of conviction, his work of opening our eyes and our hearts to the truth. Lord, we need resurrection work in our dead spirits, so help us, we pray. Come and have mercy on us and do it so that this room would be filled with the praise of Jesus and Jesus alone. We pray it in his name. Amen. To begin this new year, I have a monumentally important question. To ask you. And I really must stress asking you because you are the only one who can answer for you. I can't answer for you. No family member can answer the question for you. Your neighbor cannot answer the question for you. Only you can answer for you. And the question comes with a definite urgency about it because of these related words of Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? And let me just add, how you answer this monumentally important question will reflect, number one, what you're going to do with this new year, and number two, where you're going to go if this new year God calls so here's the monumentally important question. What do you think of Jesus? What do you think of Jesus? Will you take your Bible, hopefully you have one, open it to Luke chapter 9 verses 18, 19, and 20. Luke 9, 18. If you want to use your phone, I'm trusting you're not texting funny things about me, you're tapping to the Scriptures on your phone. So tap over to Luke 9.18, something Paul never said, had to say, or turn in the Scriptures to Luke 9.18. And let's hear this together. Luke 9.18. While he was praying in private and his disciples were with him, He asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Still others, that one of the ancient prophets has come back. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. What do you think of Jesus? I'll never forget years ago watching a violin performance that took place one morning in, of all places, the Metro. Subway station in Washington D.C. Anybody ever ridden the the Metro? Oh, a lot of us have. Yeah. This performance was actually part of a social experiment to quote gauge people's reaction to beauty in an unexpected place at an unexpected time. End quote. You can see it on YouTube if you're interested enough to look it up. It's fascinating to watch. Of the 1,097 passers-by that morning, guess how many stopped to listen? Seven. Only seven people. Now here's what the 1,090 walked past. One of the world's greatest musicians, Joshua Bell, Grammy award-winning violinist, playing some of the world's greatest music, 43 minutes of compositions by Bach, Schubert, Massonet, and Ponce, on one of the world's greatest instruments, A $3.5 million Stradivarius crafted by the master Italian luthier himself in 1713. All of this. And hardly anyone cared. You want to know something? It's not the first time. Let me read you something. From John chapter 1, verse 9, John says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through Him. And yet, the world did not recognize Him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. The monumentally important question is, what do you think of Jesus? When Jesus asked His disciples, who do the crowds say that I am, I think it must have really caught them off guard. Because He had never asked that question before. They had been very concerned about what people were saying about him, but he seemed never to be concerned about the opinion of the crowds. So they must have been surprised. They must have been delighted when he asked the question. Finally, he cares what others think the way we care what others think. Hold your place for a moment and turn back to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, and let me show you what I'm referring to as we get our ground for understanding our passage in Luke. In Matthew 15:1, we read this. Then Jesus was approached by Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem who asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. He answered them. Why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? For God said honor your father and your mother and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say whoever tells his father or mother whatever benefit you might have received from me as a gift committed to the temple. He does not have to honor his father. In this way you have nullified the word of God. Because of your tradition. Hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Summoning the crowd, he told them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Now here it is. Then the disciples came up and told him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father didn't plant will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind guide the blind, both will fall into a pit. The disciples are clearly concerned about what other people think. So you can imagine their relief back over in Luke 9 now when Jesus suddenly looks up from prayer and asks them, Who do the crowd say that I am? And boy, they are ready to tell him because it's all over Facebook. Verse 19, they answered, oh, they're saying that you are John the Baptist. But then others are saying that you're Elijah. And then you've got this group of people that are saying you're one of the ancient prophets who's come back from the dead. These are all wrong answers, of course. And, you know, folks are still giving wrong answers to this day to that question, who is Jesus? I mentioned some time ago, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks ago, about uh, seeing a clip of Joe Rogan interviewing Ben Shapiro. You remember that? And Rogan asked Shapiro, what do you think Jesus was? And Shapiro replied, well, I think he was a Jew who tried to lead a revolt against the Romans and got killed for his trouble. Just like a lot of other Jews at that time who were crucified for trying to lead revol- revolts against the Romans. So what Shapiro says is that he was a failed revolutionary. Now that, that's just another wrong answer, isn't it? A wrong answer to go along with these other wrong answers that we read here in Luke's Gospel. John the Baptist. Elijah, one of the ancient prophets, resurrected from the dead. But you, verse 20, he asked them. The the you is emphatic in the Greek, and the CSB does a wonderful job here of helping us see that in its translation. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah, you're the Christ, you are the anointed one. And as Peter would also learn in short order, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, you're the sin bearer of the world. That's what he would learn. Now, out of all the answers you all know, if you've read your Bible, you know, Peter, Peter was always, I mean, whatever he thought came out of his mouth. It's not surprising, is it, that he would be the first that would speak to this question? You know, who do who the crowd say that I am? Peter speaks up, speaks up on behalf of the rest of his fellow disciples. And he gives the answer. How does Peter get it right? Well, there's the overwhelming evidence, of course. If you'll stay in Luke and just turn back a couple of chapters to chapter 4, verse 38. We read this, that after, I'm at Luke four thirty eight after Jesus left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Oh, this is personal here, isn't it? This is Peter, Simon Peter's house. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked him about her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. Now listen, this is not a temp of 101. This what What this is about is a is an illness that is taking her to death's doorstep. And Jesus stood over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And so thorough and instant was the healing that the verse says she got up immediately and began to serve them. She didn't need a day or two to recover. She went from death's doorstep with this fever to instantaneous healing, strength. This is Jesus. Verse 40 says, When the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to Him. As He laid His hands on them, on each one of them, He healed them. Also, demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God. But He rebuked them. How would not allow them to speak? Because they knew that he was the Messiah. Drop down to chapter 5, verse 1. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon. There he is again. And asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that had taken. And so were James and John's Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners, Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Now over to chapter 8, verse 22. We're just trying to understand how did Simon get the answer right. There's this overwhelming evidence. Here's one more example in chapter 8, verse 22. And this, this is unforgettable here. One day, Jesus and His disciples got into a boat and He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they were sailing, He fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke Him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased. And there was a calm. He said to them, where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. So there's this overwhelming evidence that Jesus is God's Messiah. That's how Peter gets the answer right back over in Luke chapter 9. But then there was this other thing. He got it right because of God's overwhelming grace. He had overwhelming evidence. But you know what? There were many who had overwhelming evidence who did not believe upon Christ. Here's the key. The overwhelming grace of God. You see, it's not because Peter's smarter than the other disciples. It's not because he's more perceptive or more intuitive or spiritually mature. And it's certainly not because he's just a good guesser. No, Peter gets it right for another reason, and we read about this reason over in Matthew 16. I'll read it to you. Jesus responded. When He said, You're the Christ, God's Messiah, Jesus responded, Matthew 16, 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, human wisdom didn't reveal this to you. Human reason, natural acumen... No, my Father in heaven revealed this to you. You've learned this about me because my Father taught you. In other words, ultimately, Peter came to Jesus because he was brought to Jesus. Because remember what Jesus was doing when He asked His disciples, who did the crowd say that I am? What was He doing? It's right there in verse 18. What was He doing? Praying. He was praying. This revelation about Jesus had been given to Peter by the Heavenly Father. Listen. In answer to Jesus' prayer. Prayer. So then let me prayerfully ask you, knowing that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. What do you think of Jesus? Not theoretically, not hypothetically, but personally, in reality, what's your take? Who is He? You know, I remember my granny, my granny Lindsay, I loved her so much. Granny absolutely loved to sing. Now, granny was not a, she never was asked to sing. But she loved to sing. And she was always, when she'd sing, she'd always be about a half a step behind everybody else. But I can remember her so and Granny couldn't whistle either she but she do this and I I really can't mimic it you just had to hear it kind of a sh-sh-sh-sh. she and she would be in the kitchen I was just a little fellow and and she would be singing humming whistling love lifted me you know that old hymn love lifted me If I'd ask my granny granny What do you think of Jesus? You know what she would have told me? She would have said, why, He's my Lord. He's my Savior. But you see, that's not really the question, is it? The question is not, what does someone else think about Jesus? Even a much-loved someone else, like your granny or your papa or, or your mother or your father or a spouse or your child... The question is not, what do they think? The question is, what do you think? That's the inescapable question. Jesus says emphatically to His disciples, verse 20, but you, who do you say that I am? The reason He stops praying and all of a sudden asks this question, listen, He's not worried that He's losing popular support. He's not worried about His poll numbers dropping. The time has now fully come for him to lead them out of what somebody called the murkiness of human opinion into the clarity of divine truth. And listen, that's where we're at today. And that's the time that's come for us in this room. We are surrounded by the murkiness of human opinion when it comes to Jesus of Nazareth everybody's got an opinion. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. Oh, oh. Some would even say, well, you know, really, he's whoever you want him to be. Baloney. I'm not whoever you want me to be. I am who I am. You are who you are. He is who he is. The question is, who is he biblically? Who is he revealed in Scripture? And what do you... Think of him. Is he who he claimed to be to you? Is he to you what he claimed to be? He told Pontius Pilate, I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. I'm asking, do you accept his testimony as truth? He said, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm asking, do you believe Him? He said, John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose none of those He has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. I'm asking, do you believe in him? What do you think of Jesus? We read in Scripture of a man who called and pleaded, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. We read of another who said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. We read of a woman who was so overcome by her sins and so overwhelmed by His love and His forgiveness that she couldn't say anything. But she stood behind Him at His feet, weeping and began to wash His feet with her tears. She wiped His feet with her hair, kissing them and anointing them with perfume. What do you think of Jesus? Friend, God has given you January the 7th, 2024. January the 8th is not promised. The Bible says, Proverbs 27, 1, don't boast about tomorrow. For you don't know what a day might bring. We don't know when our life will be demanded of us, do we? I read just this weekend about a Hollywood actor. Did you see that in the news? Who was on a vacation with his two young daughters in the, in the Caribbean. Took off on a flight to do some sightseeing. Plane started immediately having trouble. Tried to turn back. Plummeted into the ocean And that Hollywood actor and his two girls, gone. And the pilot, all gone. Four lives. His name was Christian Oliver. We don't know when tragedy will strike in this world. None of us know. And it couldn't be more foolish than to say, Well, I'll I'll close with Christ. I'll believe on Him later. What later are you talking about? What makes you think later you'll care to? Working together with him, Paul said, We also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you see now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. You're hearing it now that Jesus is the only Savior from sin. He is the only one who can rescue you from God's judgment wrath. Paul said exactly what I said in the baptismal pool. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. It's the reason that He came to earth and went to the cross. John 3.17, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. 1 Timothy 1.15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said John 5:24 Truly I tell you whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but is passed from death to life Brother Scroll was right If we love people we will warn them of the consequences of dying in their sins. I could have started this first Sunday sermon in the new year, told jokes, read you some humorous stories, and everybody goes out of the room, you know, oh, wasn't he funny? Wasn't that cute? That would have been a betrayal of what God's called me to do as a minister of the gospel, and it would have done nothing but harm to you and to my own soul. No, God brought you here and He's had me stand before you and put this message on my heart because He wants you to answer the question that is written in His Word. What do you think of Jesus? It's the monumental question. I'm urging you as urgently as I can to turn to Jesus. To turn your back to the world. Put your eyes on Christ. Believe in His death, burial, and resurrection for your sins. And as Braden did, follow Him. And if you say to me, well, I, I have turned to Jesus, but... I've turned away. Well, then I want to say to you, turn back. God's brought you here, Christian, to turn you back. Come back. You remember Peter? Peter himself turned away for a time, didn't he? But he turned back, and oh, when he turned back, oh, what a turning back. The monumental question is yours to answer. Only you can answer for you. What do you think of Jesus? Let's pray. And Christians, will you pray as I speak here now to a man or a woman or a young person in this room who needs salvation. Sir, are you willing? Ma'am, are you willing? Young person, are you willing to receive Christ into your life? If God's Spirit is indeed working in your heart, I encourage you right where you're seated to call on the name of the Lord and ask Him to save you. And He'll save you right now where you're seated. And as soon as we're down here in a moment, come talk to me. Tell me what just happened. Talk to me about getting baptized and publicly taking your stand with the Lord Jesus who died to save your soul and give you life. Father, I pray that no one will walk out of this room today without saying from the heart, I believe that Jesus is God's Messiah, my Savior, and my Lord. Grant it for His name's sake. We pray.